welcome, my faithful and loyal readers and listeners. Welcome to another segment of Verse of the Day. Today's verse comes from First John 5, 13 through 15, which says, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, so you may know that you have eternal life. This is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And if we know that He hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we ask of Him. <coughs> John begins the letter's conclusion, which is what first John is unequivocally stakes its purpose for writing. Believers can know they have eternal life, so we can know we can have eternal life. That is its purpose in writing. God offers eternal life to all who receive the testimony about His Son, and in the face of false teaching about Jesus, John wants to assure his readers that they can Right. 
alerts and have found no basis for your charges against him. Neither has Herod, for he has sent him back to us, as you can see. He has done nothing to deserve death. Therefore I will punish him, and then release him. But the whole crowd shouted away with this man. Away with this man, release Barabbas to us. Barabbas had been thrown into a prison for an insurrection in the city, and for murder. Waiting, wanting to release Jesus, Pilate appealed to them again, but they kept shouting, Crucify him! Crucify him! For the third time he spoke to them, Why, what crime have this coming committed? I, 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 I have found in him no grounds for the death penalty. Therefore I will have him punished, and then release him. But with loud shouts, they insistently demanded that he be crucified, and their shouts prevailed. So Pilate decided to grant their demand. He released the man who had been thrown into prison for insurrection and murder, the one they asked for, and surrendered Jesus to their will. So that's the first section. So the sequence of trials that we have seen so far comes to a climax here with Pilate's repeated statements of Jesus' innocence. The Jewish leadership, now with the support of the people, oppose Pilate's requests. So the reference in verse 13 to the people introduces a shift from the previous attitude of the people. Because remember, <coughs> less than a week ago, they had shouted and hailed him as their coming Messiah, as their coming King. And now the same group of people that did that to him less than a week ago, so that did that to him the Sunday, previous Sunday, are now shouting in the crowd for him to be crucified. So to appease this crowd, Pilate declares that he will have Jesus punished before releasing him. So the crowd, however, demands Jesus to be crucified and Barabbas to be released instead. So ironically, Barabbas had been thrown in prison for an insurrection and murder. So Barabbas was the one guilty of the crime that should have been punished by death, while Jesus was completely innocent of all charges against him. Keep that in mind. So Barabbas is contrasted with the innocent one who is to be punished in his place. So in order to keep peace in his job, Pilate gives in to the crowds desire. So now we come to the second section, which is uh, chapter 23, verses 26 through 31, which says, as the soldiers led him away, they seized Simon from Cyrene, who was on his way in from the country, and put the crowd 
and made him, made him carry it behind Jesus. A large number of people followed him, including women who mourned and wailed for him. Jesus turned and said to them, Daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for me. Weep for yourselves and for your children. For the time will come when you will say, Blessed are the childless women, the womb that have that never bore, and the breast that never nursed. And they will say to the mountains, Fall on us, and to the hills, Cover us. For if the people do these things, and the tree is green, what will happen when it is dry? So the crucifixion account is developed in three stages. And this first stage is what we see here, and that's the journey to the crucifixion, which occurs in verses 26 to 31. The next stage is the mockery and crucifixion of Jesus, which is verses 32 to 43. That's going to be the next section that we're going to talk about. So the third and final stage is the event surrounding the death of Jesus, which will be found in verses 44 through 49, which we're going to cover tomorrow. So you got to come back for that. So Simon from Cyrene models in a physical way what Jesus said following him would entail. Jesus then addresses the women who are weeping and following him. He indicates that they are representative of the people of the city, and thus they should weep not for him, but for themselves. They should cry to the mountains and hills because of the horror and scale of the judgment that is to come. So now we come into this third and final section in today's passage, which is verses 32 through 43, which says two other men, both criminals, were also led out with him to be executed. When they came to the place called the Skull, they crucified him there along with the criminals one on his right and the other on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And they divided up his clothes by casting lots. People stood watching, and the rulers even sneered at him. They said he saved others. Let him save himself, if he is God's Messiah, the Chosen One. The soldiers also came up and mocked him. They offered him wine, vinegar, and said, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was a notice above him, which was, This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said, since you are under the same sentence. We are punished justly, for we are getting what our deeds deserve. This man has done nothing wrong. And he said, 
Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus answered him, truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. So the actual crucifixion is now told with a focus on the varying responses of the two criminals who are crucified with Jesus. Also included is a focus on the mockery of the leaders and the soldiers who were present and doing the actual crucifying. So the place of the crucifixion is called the Skull, which is Golgotha in Aramaic, and Calvaria in Latin, from which we derive the English word Calvary. To the prayer in verse 34. So what is this prayer that we're talking about? Right? So this prayer that we're talking about is, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they are doing. It's the prayer in verse 34. It's unique to Luke among the Gospels. And it's unique. Right? So by that in mind, you only ever see that prayer in Luke's Gospel. You only ever see Jesus calling for the forgiveness of the ones who are torturing him for the, to the ones who are trying to kill him. The ones who are killing him. They're killing him in the most cruel and inhuman they could ever possibly think of. This call for God to forgive them because they don't know what they're doing is only found in Luke's Gospel. So the taunts from the rulers for Jesus to save himself is ironic. Given that Jesus is accomplishing salvation in the very act of dying. This taunt also begins a regular emphasis on salvation in this crucifixion scene as Jesus is crucified as Savior. So the language of kingship in the inscription, so this inscription that we're talking about we found find in verse 38, it's, uh, there it says was, there was a written notice above him which read, this is the king of the Jews, so that's the inscription we're talking about, also ironic, given that Jesus is right from the cross, is the following description, let's just give you a discussion with the criminals that were crucified with him. So what is this discussion? So that's what we see in verse 39-43. So this discussion says, One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God? He said, since you are under the same sentence. Under the same sentence. We are just punished justly, for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. So in contrast to the blasphemous insults hurled at Jesus by one of the criminals, the other criminal recognizes that as condemned men, they should fear God the judge and not mock an innocent man. So the second criminal recognizes that the justice of his come recognizes the justice of his condemnation, 
Christ. Jesus is innocence. He declares Jesus' innocence because he says, but this man has done nothing wrong. So following this, we see this most important part of today's passage, which are the last two verses, that's verses 42 and 43, which say that he said, which is the condemned criminal, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus answered him, Truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. So following his own statement of guilt, the criminal addresses Jesus by name, recognizing Jesus' kingship even while hanging on the cross. And he entrusts his future into Jesus' hands as he entreats Jesus to remember him when Jesus rose beyond his crucifixion. In response, Jesus assures the man that he will join Jesus in paradise. So now let's talk about this time reference. You see, the criminal says, when you come into your kingdom, right? But Jesus says, today. So, the criminal is saying, when you enter your kingdom, remember me. Jesus is saying, today I'm going to enter into my kingdom and you will join me there. The reference to your kingdom that the criminal makes becomes personal when Jesus says, with me in paradise. So thus, Jesus is exercising his saving rule by his word from the cross. We will pick up the story from here tomorrow. And the Bible readings for tomorrow are Judges 8, 18 through 9, 21, Luke 23, 44 through 24, 12, Psalm 99, 1 through 9, and Proverbs 14.